Hallelujah, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Jesus said, In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. May we see it. So this Sunday of the church year, Rogate, Jesus is talking about prayer, where it comes from the Latin word for asking. And specifically, he's teaching you as you pray in this life as his people. So like good Lutherans, we always ask, so what does this mean? What does this all mean, what our Lord is saying? How does he inform you about prayer, invite you to pray, and give you those promises which you cling to in your God-given faith as you pray? Well, there's something foundational and really that just goes through all of this. Prayer is something that rests solely and completely upon Christ and his work for you. And that's something that Jesus is teaching and it can't be stressed enough. He's teaching you what it means to pray to God and he invites you to do so. It's a gracious invitation to hear and answer your prayers out of his mercy towards you and what he's accomplished by his obedient life, his atoning death, and his resurrection for your justification. So with this in mind, you see prayer rightly only through the lens of Jesus. To pray in Jesus' name is to pray in the death and resurrection of Jesus. It's to pray through the blood of the atonement which has satisfied God's wrath against you and reconciled you to the Father. So it's no wonder that right after the gospel reading ends today, and there's an option to extend that a few verses further in our gospel reading, with Jesus saying what he does about peace. Because peace in the Bible is a word of forgiveness. It's a word connected with the death of Christ, with the atonement for your sin on the cross. Jesus said in John 16:33, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So knowing this about prayer, you look at what this means to pray. God commands you to pray. Prayer is not optional for Christians. All over the scriptures, God gives this command. And sadly, it must be taught that God commands you to pray. But the reason is your old Adam doesn't want to pray. He wants to live a life that doesn't see a need to depend on someone outside of yourself. We like to be self-sufficient. We like to be in charge. And even within the church, this happens as well. Even those among the baptized, prayer is not practiced daily, or maybe just simply at meals. One of the questions that I always ask confirmation students when we talk about prayer is, how often do you pray? And that was one of those questions that in seminary they tell uh, we had a professor that would always tell us be careful when you ask people what they believe they might tell you and sadly prayer is not often in our lives pastors lives included god commands you though to pray without ceasing among other commands to pray and jesus in the gospel speaks of prayer as when you pray not if if you pray to show that this is something to for his people Unless we also forget, too, unbelief hates prayer. Because it's easy to want to think that when you ha- what you have, you have because it's of, what you, of yourself, what you determine, of your own hard work and doing. 
And your old Adam also wants prayer to be a way you think you are righteous before God. That's one of the most common things that pastors hear when they confront people in sin. I've been a pastor now for almost 11 years, and I can't tell you the countless times that when you confront somebody and say, you haven't been to church in a while, one of the first things out of the mouth is, well, I pray, pastor. That's the creed of the old man when he thinks he doesn't need to hear God's word, when he doesn't need the sacraments. That glorious confession of, I pray, gets perverted into the vile confession of, I don't need Jesus because I'm in the driver's seat in terms of my standing with God, because I pray. Now, to pray for others, even those who persecute you, as Jesus commands, is a humbling thing as well. For it shows you that your Lord is the one who alone is God. He is alone the one who came down from heaven to atone for the sin of the world. Refusing to pray or neglecting prayer in your lives is a deadly thing. Despising God's commandments is sinful, and God threatens to punish those who break his commandments. Not praying or treating prayer lightly breaks the second commandment, where God commands you not to misuse his name. The Lord's name is, instead, to be called upon in every trouble as you pray, give him thanks, and praise. So why do you pray, then? Well, first, God has commanded you to pray. God commands you to do so. And the second part of why you to pray is because God has promised to hear you. And this is really vivid in the gospel reading. Here again, Jesus said, In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. So God promises you that he hears your prayers and he answers them. And as Christians, even with promises like that, it's tempting to forget those promises and turn prayer then into manipulating God rather than calling upon God's name. It's tempting to think, well, if we can just get enough people to pray for us or we pray hard enough, then God will really hear and answer us. We'll go to the top of the list of the prayers. You see all the time on Facebook, right? My favorite one is Jesus sitting in front of a computer, although the computer looks like it's from 1993, so Jesus needs to update his operating system. But Jesus is sitting there and saying, I'm just waiting for a thousand likes on a Facebook post before I answer this prayer. Now, that's absurd, it's satire, but there's an element of truth that sometimes we get into that mindset. So it, prayer gets turned into this when you hear phrases like the power of prayer. Prayer is... Powerful, to be sure, but it's never a power. Prayer is speaking to God as children who are talking to their dear Father. Remember, it goes back all and depends on everything that Christ has done for us. And another thing that happens, too, is when the devil puts into our minds the doubt that God will answer our prayers, or that somehow we need to earn what we are asking for and praying to God. This is where the devil likes to put it in our minds to think, God will answer my prayer if I do this or don't do that. Then prayer is taken out of the hands of Christ and it's placed into our own. Your sin gets rubbed in your face or you can question God's promises rather than believing, as we rightly confess in the small catechism about the fifth petition, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. What does this mean? We pray in this petition that our Father in heaven would not look at our sins, or deny our prayer because of them. We are neither worthy of the things for which we pray, nor have we deserved them. But we ask that he would give them all to us by grace, 
For we daily sin much and surely deserve nothing but punishment. So we too will sincerely forgive and gladly do good to those who sin against us. So if it were up to us, if it were for the sake of our sin that God did not hear and answer our prayers, then he would never listen to us. But if it's up to Christ, if it's up to his work, if everything comes back to him and his work for us, then God does indeed hear and answer our prayers. Or even related to that, that caveat that the determining factor would be that we, our will be done, rather than praying, thy will be done. So many things. So listen again to those words of Jesus today. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. And that day you will ask in my name. And I do not say that you are, I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. So, dear people of God, Jesus has gone to the Father, and you have peace with God. And what this means is even as God does command you to pray, there is this something so wonderful and so sweet that goes along with this as you see Jesus crucified and risen for you. Prayer is so much more comforting than what the devil, the fallen world, and your own sinful flesh perverted into. God promises to hear and answer your prayers. Now think about that for a minute. We use that all the time. We say that, but let that sink in. You. Whoever you are, sitting right here today, baptized into Christ, you have God's ear because of what Jesus has done for you and who he has made you to be in the waters of holy baptism. You can't but pray in the name of Jesus because baptized into Christ, your life is hidden in him and you bear his saving name. So the very nature of prayer looks outside of yourselves and sees that you need one to help you one to deliver you, or in the case of thanksgiving, that you have been given what you needed or wanted only out of fatherly divine goodness and mercy. God is indeed your Father because you belong to and are in the Son. The Son is the beloved Son of God who has covered you with his righteousness, who intercedes for you at the right hand of God. We're celebrating Ascension Day this coming week. So think about that, too, that human flesh and blood, Jesus is human flesh, he's fully God and fully man, is at the right hand of God praying for you. Our brother in the flesh, only without sin, is praying for you. And when you think about how vast the world is and how many Christians are praying every single minute of every single day, God hears and answers each prayer. And that goes for you, too, because he's God. We're not. And thanks be to God that he is God and is able to and promises to do this. So even those prayers of, Lord, help me, or Lord, have mercy, or thank you, Lord, all of those are prayed in the name of Jesus. And every single one of those prayers, the Lord hears and answers you for the sake of, the, of Jesus who has died for you. There's no prayer which is too small or too great. All these prayers you pray to God are heard and answered by your loving Father. So you are free to pray because you belong to Jesus, and he has set you free. The confidence to pray, then, is the confidence of knowing that Jesus has died for you 
It's the confidence of your baptism where the Lord placed his saving name on you, forgave you your sin, rescued you from death and the devil, and gave you eternal salvation as the words and promises of God declare. That's why often we make the sign of the cross at the beginning of prayers because it reminds you who you are and what God has given to you in your baptism and how you approach God as one redeemed by Christ the crucified. You bear the name of Jesus. You're marked with the sign of the cross, the one who has made peace by shedding his blood, and your father hears and answers you on the sake of his son. Now, there will be those times when you see what the answer to your prayers will be in this life. Sometimes it might not be right away, but it may be a while. A famous example of this in church history is St. Monica, not the mother of, uh, not from Friends, right? Monica Geller. 90s joke. I had to tell the vicar the other day what Friends is. I told him that was a show from the 90s. Made me feel old, so whatever. No, St. Monica, the mother of St. Augustine, and her struggle praying for her husband and her son, she's often held up as a model of persistent prayer. In the Bible, one example is given of the persistent widow, and there's other examples as well. Monica, though, Augustine's mother was treated terribly by her husband in many ways, but she kept praying for his conversion. And not long before his death, she saw the answer to her prayers as he repented of his many sins, and he was baptized and then died as a Christian. And then for her son, Augustine, she prayed for years and years, and finally the day came when, she too, when he too was converted by the Holy Spirit. She saw him baptized by St. Ambrose, and eventually Augustine became a priest, a pastor, then a bishop and a doctor, which is a teacher of the church, and we know him as St. Augustine. Her prayers look to the promises of God who alone can change hearts, even very stubborn ones who sinned greatly against her personally and give new and eternal life. So examples like Monica and her family abound, but there are times when these don't appear, at least to happen. But it doesn't mean, for one instance, that God has stopped hearing and answering your prayers. Because in their life, in your life, there may be prayers you are still praying that don't seem to be answered yet, or the devil is trying to get you to doubt that God, God and think they're falling on deaf ears. But you see, it's precisely in these times like this that the Lord places before you these promises like he does in the gospel reading. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. So as you cling to these words, and in doing this, you fix your eyes on Jesus and see that joy that only he can give for you, that he is crucified for you and risen from the dead. He is the God who hears and promises to answer your prayers, and he is the God who has risen from the dead and will raise you from your graves too. The boldness of prayer is the boldness of trusting God's promises, even when the answer to your prayer might be no. My kids might come to me and ask me for a fourth bowl of ice cream, and I tell them no. I'm hearing and answering their prayers because I know that a fourth bowl, third bowl of ice cream will make them sick and throw up, and then I have to clean that up. But I'm hearing and answering them because they're my children and I care for them, I love them. But there's a boldness even to ask. You look to God who alone is good, who alone is righteous, who knows what you need even before you ask him, because everything rests in him who has created, redeemed, and sanctified you to be his own dear children. So as you pray in this way, and in this faith, even at times when the Lord may say no, the Lord sustains you, and he strengthens you through his word and sacraments. And he fixes your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, and the one who gives you peace, the one who has overcome the world. So what wonderful words of Jesus to hear this morning 
as you see who you are in Christ. Even though he tells the disciples they will be scattered and leave him alone, Jesus will not be alone, for he is with the Father. And for you, this means that you stand before the throne of God as one who is in Christ, hidden in him and clothed with him. In this world, then, you have peace because Jesus is the one who overcame the world. Prayer realizes this and lives in it because you know you have deliverance from the tribulations of the world and you look forward to the life to come. When you pray to God, you're praying as as his children. You're praying as those who bear the name of the Holy Trinity, who are made clean by the blood of Christ. When you pray, there is great confidence and boldness in your prayer. To pray the Lord's Prayer and call God our Father, to call him your Father, the God who created the heavens and the earth, is nothing insignificant. And not everyone can call God their Father. Only those who are in Christ can pray the Lord's Prayer rightly and with confidence. And that's you. You are in Christ. You have the boldness to pray our Father. And it's a wonderful thing before God. It's sweet incense before his throne because your prayers are carried through Christ crucified, the one in whom the Father is well pleased. When you pray, you are heard as children, dearly beloved children of God. And God cares for you. So whatever is going on in your life, being times of trial, trouble, suffering, thanksgiving, or great joy, the Lord hears you. There's nothing insignificant in your life that God doesn't care for you or not listen to your prayer. A little kid thanking God for his dog and for the Lord to keep it safe is just as heard as the congregation who prays together for the whole church throughout the world. All these things are heard because all are prayed in Christ, the one who is our mediator between God and man, the one who is your redeemer. So thanks be to God today, this day, for the gift of prayer. Christians pray. It is the exhale of your faith. If God's word and sacraments are are inhaled, that is what you take in and gives you your very breath, you exhale prayer. You breathe out in faith what God has given to you and call upon him. So what a joy to have such, such access to the almighty, eternal God. Yet this is what you have. Because Christ has been crucified for you, he is risen and ascended to the right hand of the Father. The Son of God, true God and true man, is yours, and that means everything. Because in Christ you have it all, as God commands you to pray and promises to hear you. And hear you he does, now, as you pray, during this veil of tears, and on that final day into eternity, where your faith ends and you see him face to face, just as Jesus is risen from the dead and lives and reigns to all eternity. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.